Okay, so we got mullet comp in there. Um, what's Roman excited about? What, what's what's that that? Oh man, I wanted to say something like that. Doggy's got a bone, you know. Like Ooh, we don't we don't Rome doggy. What's that book bone in your mouth? What book? <laughs> what's that dog's bone? Um, well, well that, I want to talk about that. that oh, I attempt, love this bone. That failed attempt at humor on my part would have been a great intro, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> like to hear roman's thoughts on the onslaught revelation if that's all right I, I, okay but i want to hear your thoughts on the onslaught revelation i'm excited oh to god let's just blow a load on you <laughs> yeah let's do that can it can um, it be a circle jerk if there's only three people it's even better it's, it's a like triangle. A triangle jerk yeah um <laughs> maybe i should write this into the ted lasso podcast that i've been listening to called the ted last bros oh but, god that's uh, a terrible name the uh <laughs> The thing about keep... me and podcasts with terrible names, that's just <laughs> sort of what I, it's a curse that I have. It's not too late. You don't have your own feed yet. I know. You have a, you have a history this season of being scared that something's going to happen that doesn't happen. Yeah. That's why I like that show so much. <laughs> yeah. Like most, I mean, and that's kind of what we consistently talk about is it, it does a great job of uh, diverting um, your expectations, which I think is fantastic. I think, I think uh, Dr. Sharon would have something to say about that. Did he use the term see you next Tuesday? Uh, no, no. That's good. That's good. Yeah. That means stuff. Oh, what? It does? See you next Tuesday? I will see you next Tuesday, but yeah, what does I'll it mean? Yeah, I'll see you next Tuesday. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the way, it spells cunt. You. Oh. See oh. you next Tuesday. Oh, yeah. This is why we have to make sure that we I like those. Now that this is, this is, this... <laughs> listen, it's, it's a historical play on words. I can't, I'm not going to censor myself for teaching you guys history welcome to a perfectly acceptable podcast where we don't censor ourselves for teaching you history uh it's the pacific northwest premier pop culture podcast it's got an emphasis on comic books um bunch of buddies guess what Django's back you guessed it it's great good to have him back uh we're gonna talk about a handful of books this week but before we get into that i'm jeff i'm roman i'm Django. that's my guy and i'm back and i'm back suck my fart <laughs> <laughs> Django loved that. Oh, I love fart jokes. Will Elmer says, happy episode 241. Every week when I am Googling for information about issue numbers, in this case, comic book issues 241, some of the first results I am always greeted with are Sonic the Hedgehog comics. I was aware that there were Sonic comics, but completely unaware that their issues count has gotten into the 200s, while most impressive these days are lucky to get 25. It's very impressive. Impressive. Tying a bit in with last week's conversation about comic books that get turned into TV shows and movies, I have now led us to my favorite question of the week. Nope, my, my question of the week. What is your favorite comic book graphic novel that started in another medium, su medium such as video games, movies, etc.? Despite loving properties like Ghostbusters and the Evil Dead movies, I am rarely motivated to pick up comic books of these properties. Curious to hear your guys' thoughts and what you like or why you stay away from these types of comics as well. Lots of love. P.S. Is Rorschach the best comic of the year so far? I say yes. It's a best great comic question, Will. Yeah, yeah, Rorschach was great. Um, that's a really good question, Will. I 
I do check them out. Um, and I can think of having said the words like this comic adaptation is way better than it deserves to be. And I can't think of exactly what it is that I have that memory tied to. But one that I will mention having really enjoyed was Alish Cott's Bloodborne series tied into a blood or video game. Love the video game. Thought the art in that was awesome. And it was well written. That would be my answer to that question. What have you fellas got? Like an adaptation comic. I don't read a ton of them. I did like that Alish Cott one, though. I, I, I don't think, think I stayed on super long. Life is Strange is a book that we have a lot of subscribers for that's an adaptation of a video game or a video I, game. Yeah, I just ordered volumes three and four and five of it today. Nice. Um, so I've adaptations heard... are like maybe comic shows or sorry, TV shows or movies. People seem to dig the Stranger Things expanded universe. That's true. Um, and, you know, like the Star Wars count. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, are we Star talking Trek Year 5 for Roman? Just just adaptations because the adaptations are for me kind of superfluous but the expanded universe stuff can be pretty solid yeah i would i would think either or you know i think i can't see and i can't remember when i was a kid if you know marvel released their adaptation of star wars a new hope as a treasury edition and then they did it as a comic book series um and i don't remember which one came first or which one i i ingested first the treasury edition or the movie Hmm. but Hmm. but yeah it's but yeah, it started as a movie. The, the Adventure the, Zone graphic novels are great. The Firefly, mm. uh, the Dark Horse Firefly books made me cry out of the blue at some point. Mm. Like those, those were really good. And like the art is serviceable and not much more than that. But the, the stories really hit home. Man, Will's questions are good enough that like yeah. it's almost worth reading before we're reading the recording the podcast that I can actually think about answers, you know? Like they're... then I could come up with a good fart joke to go along with them. Mm. Um, yeah, Will, great question. I think I think there's a really obvious one that I do that I'm just missing, uh, which is what yeah. we say all the time. But Batman Star Trek Year Five for Roman, right? Yeah, start. Yeah, um, yeah. I feel like there's a real obvious one that I'm missing, and all that's in my head is Army of Darkness comics, which all suck. Even <laughs> universe. <laughs> yeah, I don't even like the show, so that doesn't work for me. <laughs> Um, I do want to do a follow-up from last week's episode. Everyone, I did check out the first episode of the Harley Quinn animated series and loved mm. it. And my mm. girlfriend, Sam, also really liked it. And so much so that she said, we I got to wait to watch that till we're together, which <laughs> is going to slow down my speed of going through it. But mm. I want to just follow up on that conversation. It is very good. If you are a little jaded on Harley Quinn, it's, check it out. It's really, really good. That's yeah. high praise. Django. Oh, can you stop, bud? We're trying to record a podcast. <laughs> Oh, it fart sounds. It's um, okay. They don't stink. <laughs> um, <laughs> this week we're going to be talking about the death of Doctor Strange number Frontiersman number Black Hammer Visions number eight, Batman the Detective number five, Ether Rich number two, Onslaught Revelation number. We're going to also be talking about Mullet Cop number, and we're going to be talking about Aquaman becoming and. Uh, that other one miracle molly number nice god damn it i hate <laughs> i hate you 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 are simultaneously one of my oh. best friends and just the reason that this show is never gonna be good <laughs> i feel so much better after all those fartings i hope that you know, was the end of it but i've met your bowels it's so appropriate that jangles back because just this evening i i watched uh, the episode of Teen Titans Go, speaking of adaptations, um, where Raven is so pissed off at her teammates for because they're always so noisy, especially Cyborg, um, 
that she makes a wish that everything would just be silent and all the sound in the world disappears. But then they figure out that they can um, assign new sounds to everything. And Beast Boy assigns the sound of farting to punches. So every time they get, <laughs> so every time they're fighting anybody, they're fighting this demon and Cyborg's just like, <laughs> boom, <laughs> and, be- and Beast Boy is like getting beat up, but the whole time he's laughing because he's so amused by the fart sounds. <laughs> I am Beast Boy. So Jed McKay and Lee Garbett made the death of Doctor Strange number one this week with colors by Antonio Flabella. Um, death of Doctor Strange. Huh. That's exactly how his name's spelled. Yeah. Um, I, I read this because it seems like it's a big deal, but I got to be honest, I don't read doctor strange comics that often uh, mm-hmm. I, i'll check in with like the beginnings of runs but it's seldom do i get super invested in it and want to keep going on them uh but i got a doctor strange guy in the house i've also got a doctor strange editor who's going to be editing this um what did you think of this one roman um i i liked it even though at the beginning i kind of there was little little inconsequential problems that stuck in my craw oh. um <laughs> just just i mean just the fact I was like, what's wrong with Doctor Doctor Strange's bathroom doesn't look like that. That's so mundane. And that is and a I, crazy complaint to have, but I love <laughs> it. Well, well, just like it, as he's walk wakes up and walking through the house, I'm like, this isn't the Sanctum Sanctorum. It's so plain and average looking. And what if he really likes a nice, calming, mellow place to make his pfft? that's that's never been a thing, including in his most recent series. Also, I was Obviously, Jed McKay isn't paying attention to totally continuity because for some reason, Wong is still living with him. And that hasn't been a thing in years. What hmm. what I thought was interesting about this Romeo McDangle uh-huh. um, was that it had a story that it was telling, but it also did a lot to, I think, tell stories to people who have not read a Doctor Strange comic. Like, mm-hmm. I don't read much Doctor Strange. And there was a lot of embedded exposition within the first like half that I could see maybe would be cucumbersome or boring for people who've read a lot of Doctor Strange comics. But for me, I was I was like, okay, right, there's this dog. And right, oh, right, Wong. And okay, he was doing surgeon stuff and his hands are fixed. Like it was a lot of, it, it seemed like it did a lot of work, kind of like that Batman Fear State Alpha issue, which mm-hmm. seemed like it did a really good job of just kind of, if you haven't been reading the Jimmy TIV drip, uh, it kind of fed that all to you. Um, this one seems to do that, which I appreciated. But I could, like I said, I could feel like it could maybe be a little cucumbersome. It it did though. It also made me think, boy, how is uh, how Stephen fitting all this in? I mean, he's teaching at an academy named after him. He's a he's a I assume a top rate surgeon again, plus master of the mystic arts and all this stuff. Well, he's got like one of those walkies. Is he a surgeon? I didn't see any surgeon stuff in here. Um, yeah, there's, there's the, I, the the page where he's being a surgeon. Oh, is there? Yeah. yeah talking about his hands being restored oh god i'm so bad at reading <laughs> <laughs> buddy there's a difference between being bad at reading and not knowing how to read <laughs> i know i'm bad at reading <laughs> um i was distracted by a uh, dr strange's little very very short <clears throat> bathrobe that he's lounging around in i did love my the magic cameo because i love the character magic i thought this i don't care much about dr strange um, and I've, I've never, I've never really been able to unlock him as a character for myself. And I know he's like, he's got one of the coolest costumes around, especially on the last page of this comic mm-hmm. where he's got an even cooler, cool costume. But, uh, 
I really appreciated having Lee Garbett drawing this because yeah, he's like one of my favorite artists out there right now. And I think I've only really seen Lee Garbett teamed with um, the the writer for Skyward, Sky, Skyward, and uh, and a different Marvel book recently. Okay. Okay, but I, I, I forget it, but I remember in a in a podcast or book club or something, us looking it up and being like, oh, whoa, he did this art and that was good. But yeah, I totally it's agree. Really good, and yeah. like the the backgrounds and the world is is really well done. Like even on the very first page where we get Stephen sleeping in his room with tarot cards strewn all over the floor, and his nightstand is a big old elephant cyclops's skull, and his my favorite part was the the uh, his cape. What is it? That's a robe, baby. His robe. His, his cloak of levitation. His, yeah, his cloak is sleeping on him. Oh, sorry. I was thinking about the robe hanging from the statue in the corner. Yeah. My bad. Oh, yeah. That, that's cool, too. But like his his yeah. his cloak is, is sleeping on yeah. his bed on him. And I thought that was a really cool little bit. And it just it he built the world in a way that made me care more about it than most of the art. My only real complaint is when Rasha Ghoul showed up and I spent five minutes trying to figure <laughs> out if this is a DC crossover. I like the fact that one of the things on the floor there on that first page is the wand of Watum, which is a very dangerous mystical artifact and it's just lay there next to his socks. <laughs> Roman, how do you feel about the conceit of this whole story? Like the death of Dr. Strange, like as an idea. Uh, and I, again, I think this book did a good job of being like, what is the Sorcerer Supreme to us uninformed people? And how does it relate to sort of the balance of Earth and the mystical forces and stuff? That was all kind of new, updated information for me. So I appreciated it. But, you know, what, what, how do you think about it? And also, have you ever read or seen Harry Potter things and the idea of a Horcrux? I have no idea what a Horcrux is. Um, <laughs> I've, I've never read the Harry Potter books. Um, I, like, I like the idea of the, the comic. I mean, I mean, I love Doctor Strange, so mm -hmm. I'm 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 inclined to like a new Doctor Strange title anyway. I love the previous one. I mean, yeah, sure, the death of Doctor Strange. I mean, we've seen other. I, I mean, I've read other stories kind of about what it means to be Sorcerer Supreme, like the Doctor Doom, Doctor Strange uh, series and graphic novel. That now I can't remember what it's called. Like Mignola. Yeah, Mignola. That was a great one where they were all competing to see to make sure he was still deserved to be the master of mystic arts. Um, though I really love the ending of this one. Yeah. Cause it's, you know, classic Ditko, Dr. Strange yeah, year one, the, the background stuff there. Yeah. Well, and that costume too, that's the his, gloves and the, the blue costume. Yeah. Yes. yes. Nice. And I love yeah. that idea that it's just, he, Steven set up this fail safe in case this kind of thing ever happened. I'm going to go back into my Alex Parrish painting and come out of it another doctor. It uh, It's kind of what uh, Voldemort does in Harry Potter. Um, but the costume is great and I do like it. Uh, and it is, uh, yeah, I love the, the, the Ditko background stuff there as well. So apparently you don't have to be an X-Man in order to restore yourself from a brain backup. You can be oh. Doctor Strange too. Well, yep. it's more, yeah, oh, yeah. And I also like the Kosher the Deathless sort of things going through the whole issue. Yeah. Um, that was cool using that one too because Hellboy just had a Koshi the Death one, yeah, same same legend, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we got a full docket, but I would say that my score. Let me consult the score. Um, I gave it. I said seven point five to eight. I'm going to give it an eight, um, and then I'm going to bump it up at eight point five, a full half point <laughs> increase for that dog. Um, you want to give me a ghost dog that is adorable and has a droopy face? Yeah, I. I I kind of started to fade out every time he wasn't on the page. Thank goodness he popped up now and again. So, and you know, his name, his name is bats. 
Yeah, I get. I, I noticed that. I don't understand the origin of it, but I'm into it. I, yeah, I forget why that's his name, but that's his name. <laughs> I'm going to give it a seven and a half, but I'm going to bump it up a half a point just because Lee Garbett is oh, uh, so a, a, a national treasure and not the Nicolas Cage kind. Which is that film is also a national treasure, to be fair. Yeah, it, yeah, it's kind of Inception sort of thing. Yeah. What do you got, Rowan? Wow, I've also never seen that. Um, <laughs> uh, I started. I. St- <laughs> I've never read Harry Potter, never seen that. That's like the one Mick Cage movie I haven't seen. Sorry, I was too busy reading 130 comics that day. <laughs> um, I gave it an 8.5. Nice. This fiction doesn't leave time for fiction. Yeah. On the topic of fiction, I'm excited to what I think will be run the gamut of opinions about the book Frontiersmen by Patrick Keeneland and Marco Ferrari. I also want to make sure everyone read the back matter in it. No, Django. Yes. Oh, some of it. Yeah. yeah. Not most of it, though. That guy, he's the same guy who famously wrote the back matter in There's Nothing There that yes. like burned his career at Black Mass because everyone was like, fuck this guy. It wasn't until the end of, of skimming the back matter that I remembered that. Yeah. And then I had similar feelings, which was, well, that was a pretty good comic, but this guy's a butthole. Yeah, he's a prick. Yeah. Wait, what, 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 like, fill me in and, and the listeners. What is this there, you're referring to? It's several years ago, a book called There's Nothing There came out. It was a black mask book that this guy had written with art by Maria Lovett early in her career. Um, and he co wrote it with Matthew Rosenberg, right? He co wrote a different book with Matt Rosenberg. Okay. And he basically, okay. in the end of it, just like kind of wrote this rant, kind of similar to the one in this one, but it was way more negative, just about how, like, shitty it is to be a comic writer and how you have to go to all these conventions and glad hand all these people when you don't want to like just to get your book read and um just like i don't know kind of shitting on the medium and the audience and it was just i it's been years since i read it but i remember it was like one of the most off-putting back matters of a comic i've ever read yeah um and it just made me not want to ever read anything that he'd done again um and i didn't read any more of that book in spite of loving maria lovett's art um just a just a real butthole and he's sort of talking about how like he had written that book with matt rosenberg and matt rosenberg was willing to go do all that stuff so his career has been taking off but he, you know patrick kenlin wasn't willing to do that but they're also like both music industry people who are super into like kind of diy and you know counterculture things but so also, it's like, that's what that's how you, and like yeah so he's it's you know it's it's he, he just seems like one of those people who's like if i like this one thing that's not popular i have to hate everything that's popular it's like uh the worst parts of marcus from deadly classes personality it's just like just grow up dude and like yeah like i made this super cool thing and if as long as i keep it in my basement everybody should still know about it like just be okay talking to people about this cool thing that you yeah yeah so anyway that's uh separating art and artists let's talk about this book frontiersman what so it it starts uh years after these a lot of these superheroes have retired i guess and a young kid goes out into the woods like a college kid goes out in the woods to recruit the frontiersman who has retired and lives in a lives in like a little shitty log cabin um he wants to recruit him to be part of his ecological um i don't know protest up in a treehouse and so it kind of goes through this this old man superhero's journey of thinking he definitely doesn't want anything to do with this, being convinced that um, because of who referred the, the college kid to him, uh, that he should he should go kind of investigate more. 
and uh eventually at, at the end he's climbing up the tree to to tie himself to a tree so they can't cut it down i guess i think the art is gorgeous i think the art's gorgeous i think the writing's a little heavy-handed but i i, I thought it was compelling yeah it's it didn't a turn little... me off i just thought oh this it's is a, a little fumbly it's a Stop little like... hitting me with your ham hands yeah yeah uh roman what what, is, what was your like you're an open-minded not petty person like django and i um <laughs> what did you think about i liked it a lot more than i expected to i mean from the cover you know i, I just kind of thought ah, there's another kind of mediocre we'll call fall off of after a couple oh, another of another shirtless bear <laughs> but uh but yeah i liked it a lot i mean i liked the main character i liked the fact he wasn't uh at least as far as we know so far, he didn't quit being a superhero because of tragedy or, or, you know, that he was beaten down by the world or anything. And as far as we know, he just got old and tired of doing it. So he retired out in the woods, mm-hmm. but he still got his ideals and everything. And I thought he was a real interesting character. Um, I thought the world that they built around him and what's going on in it. I thought that was all pretty interesting. And I liked his old teammate, buddy, the professor. Mm-hmm. Um, unicell yeah yeah it was all pretty cool and that that uh marvel handbook page for unicell in the back i thought that was great because his powers he's a shrinking guy but there's a twist to it that i thought was really clever and and scientific so i dug that too it is interesting there's like artistic bases for like galactus and the marvel handbook back there but in the back matter he's sort of like we're not trying to be combative if you love big two comics we're happy for you like there's almost like pedant like or just uh uh, yeah, whatever that word is, um, patronizing statement. <laughs> like it's so like anti big two, and then they're kind of aping the big two throughout it. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that one page of his back matter that you guys are talking about. Um, I did even notice that I, mean, I did kind of skim it because I was like, yeah, it's another one of those you know usual things that he kind of introduces it. But I didn't even notice anything at all offensive or or condescending to it. I was just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I skimmed it. I didn't. I didn't notice anything super, super condescending. But something about it by the end, I was like, "Oh, this guy." Yeah, yeah. It's what is also interesting is like you know he's doing this thing where every month they're going to be saying X months is the best superhero comic on the shelves, and it's just inter- like superhero. This this doesn't scream superhero to me. Mm-mm. Um, like the arc of what this is, but he's saying he's want, like wants it to be a big long story in the style of sort of like Kirkman esque things, and uh, I think that's compelling. But in this first issue, I'm having a hard time projecting outwards that arc for it, right? Like it's old man superhero returning to take up an ecological cause, which is like you know, I think a great conceit, but it seems more like a five issue thing rather than you know, like a 24 issue thing. Did you guys see Pig? No, but I like truffle pigs. See pig, and then let's talk about this one again. Okay, is that a Nick Cage film? Yeah, it is actually. <laughs> uh, but that it, that's totally removed from the previous Nicolas Cage content. We've had oh, okay. I, I was thinking that too, Jeff. But then the next issue blurb. It's a glorious cosmic battle in outer space. I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's going a place I didn't expect. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. You know. And it could be that this issue is one of those ones that would really benefit from being like a double issue. If the mm-hmm. second issue kind of take kind of shows more of the direction I would. Yeah, I liked it. Um, fine. I didn't dislike it. Uh, I think my only turnoffs are, are just kind of the baggage I have with that creator. I remember after that, there's nothing there thing talking to the people at black mask and being like that write up was a real bummer. Like we had customers get really bummed and the people at black mask were like, yeah, we told him not to do that. <laughs> 
Yeah, but I I think I appreciate knowing where he's coming from more than I would appreciate him just phoning something in and not telling us that he's he's got those opinions, you know? Yeah, it just reminds me of a very common personality type that I think is a bummer. So what do you give it? I give it a seven. Me too. I'm looking down my list. Should I make fart noises while you find it? No, please. Please, no. Um, I gave it an eight, eight and a half. Nice. <clears throat> Roman just Listen, really if you love likes... it, we don't, hey, I don't want to be combative. If you like it, I'm happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> he, he just loves Oh, now I hear it. Okay. Yeah, the patronizing <laughs> bullshit of it. Like, we know better than you, but if you like it and you're happy, we're happy for you, you small little creature. Well, he that's just... okay, because I, because I know that, that I'm actually better than you, so. That kind of stuff better than better me. than me. <laughs> no, not you. Just anybody that anybody that might say that to me. I also think you're better than me, but it hurts to hear you say it. <laughs> I've never heard Roman's giant swinging dick come across in his voice before, but I just now heard it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I'm sorry, Roman. Please. Yeah. I want to ask you guys too. Did you guys recognize there's something about that robot in the very beginning? It, it's that kind of face. Haven't we seen that before in comics on robots? And I can't remember what that's. I think that's a reference, but I don't know. I can't mm-hmm. remember what it is. Hmm. that Y face robot with the smile with the teeth mouth oh is it, it's kind of like that band-aid scud. character scud yeah yeah scud, scud. Really... ah it also looks a little bit like the witch doctor from arsenic lullaby and the mouth of uh warlock kind of from new mutants oh yeah i think scud, scud was, is, the, yeah. is the one yeah for whatever thing it was like that's band-aid the one. or whatever so. yeah that's the one. <laughs> um I'm super happy that Django made sure I took home Black Hammer Visions number eight, The World of Black Hammer by Scott Snyder and David Rubin. I love Black Hammer. I don't know why I don't really read this, the tie-ins. Um, I don't know either. They're rarely, rarely not worse worth reading, than amazing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's like, I love Star Wars movies, but I don't really want to read Star Wars comics or see not oh, main trilogy is, Star Wars movies. That's a, a poor attempt that. at a comparison, poor attempt at a comparison, but just, just sort of when something exists outside the main center of a story, I, for whatever reason, will put blinders on at times. And in this situation, like a horse exactly. or a horseless rider. Oh, great one. Uh, the David Rubin art was great in and of itself, but what I thought was awesome was that this was Scott Snyder writing really well without having any of the kind of tropes that you can identify with Scott Snyder. Yeah. Like he has real writings, uh, tendencies that I think are often, you can kind of spot like, Oh, this is a Scott Snyder book. And none of that was present here. Yeah. I think a lot of times for me, Scott Snyder does really well in a full length single issue. Doesn't, doesn't really grab me for eight page specials or anthologies and eventually just completely falls off a cliff on long runs. Mm -hmm. But I think that this is like between one and three issues seems to be where I really, really, really like what he can pull off. Yeah, I I agree. Um, This one is this kind of dual narrative uh, taking place in a retirement home with this old fella who seems near the end of their life in this retirement home being worried that people that work there are going to be stealing his shit when he dies and that like people that die have you're just kind of taken advantage of in this retirement home, which is a kind of common idea in modern day world that happens. And the whole thing is kind of dealing with this narration uh, of this cowboy in the West who stumbles upon, you know, he's a thief and he wants to stop being a thief and he stumbles upon one last great score. And it's like this golden coffin and he opens it up and it's, you know, seems haunted by the person writing or with it. And uh, it's this golden coffin with golden guns and golden bullets. And he takes them. And as soon as he takes those golden guns, he becomes in this gorgeous page reveal, he becomes the horseless rider 
who is to avenge the deaths of um avenge people in death who have been wronged and we then find out that the person in the retirement home is the person that's taking care of them is actually stealing from people even even though he's pretending to be a good guy and it all kind of comes together at the end in a really really nice way that was well told i really liked the way those two narratives wove together and did i mention that the art is fucking gorgeous like ghost cowboys and the most ridiculous i think we can say just straight up stupid name for a superhero the horseless rider but i don't mind that at all you totally swallow it as it happens like if somebody said hey jeff you should read this horseless rider comic you'd be like oh fuck off yeah but then you get you get through you know, 15 pages of this and you get to the reveal of his name and his costume and like those gold guns are so fucking cool. And the, like the, the coffin that he pulls them out of, Oh, it's, it, it's, it's right up my fart alley. I really like when anyone that I love tries to make sure I read something because um, I, I'll be reading it or taking it in, but I also at the same time, I'm trying to figure out what it is that that person loved about it. I'm just jealous of his scarf. So I, yeah, well, duh. Um, but I got like, you know, like five pages in. I was like, oh, it's cowboys. Okay. You know, and I, I, like not to put Django in a box or whatever, because it ended up being just a really well-told story with great art and stuff. But it's also the kind of thing where if it had been mediocre, I would have been like, yeah, well, Django loves cowboy stuff. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's cowboys and goodness. Yeah, no, goodness and awesome art and well-told, well-paced, well you know, kind of constructed storytelling, which I do think Scott Snyder excels at. I just think that when he gets kind of caught up in continuity and other type of stuff, he can get a little bit uh, meandery. I love that the guy who becomes the horseless rider is just kind of a butthole. Mm-hmm. But then once he gets the guns, he becomes not, re- I-, I guess, almost selfless. You know, like he's he's an avenging spirit, but he's not a revenging spirit. Yeah, he's he's cursed by needing to sate these ghosts that are haunting him. Roma, what did you think, yeah. baby boy? I liked it. I read. I liked it a lot. I mean, it was the first time I think we've seen uh, David Rubin. Rubin, how do you say his name? <laughs> um, in the Black Hammer universe, and it was a great one for him to start with. Sherlock, he did Frankenstein. A, yeah, he did, did Sherlock. Did he? Frank. he he's done a little bit of stuff in here. Yeah. Oh, he has. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but this this was a great fit for sure. It yeah. was, and I yeah. haven't read Sherlock Frankenstein, so yeah, it. I totally agree, Roman. This is my first encounter with it, and I was mm. pretty blown away by how well it fits. Like, there, it's so not Dean Ormstein, who is kind of the cornerstone of the whole tone, um, but there's also an Ormstein thing there. I don't know, like mm-hmm. noses and like ugliness or something. Yeah, and the I don't know. There, um, well, it doesn't have to do with the art, but the fact that the old man in the in the nursing home is related to the master or the mast rider. That's Marvel. Um, horseless rider. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I loved that sort of resolution <clears throat> of all of it. I hope Andrew read this book because he'd really love the Rubin art. Yeah. I gave enjoy it a high it while, score. Enjoy it while we can guys. That, that dude's going to get squeezed out of the industry soon. Yeah. Why? He's a turd. Oh, is he? Yeah. Bad, damn it. <laughs> yeah. He's an amazing artist. Um, but, but I, I don't, I'm surprised that these names are working with him. Oh mm-hmm. man. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Ed Ben is amazing artist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. even some turds make a smell that impresses you. <laughs> I gave it an eight. I gave it a 9.5. I gave it a nine. 
Holy shit, I'm the high one again. You're always the high one in between us three, Not buddy. since I haven't taken meds, buddy. Yeah, um, although that could be argued that you're high all the time. Yeah, like you're right. Um, yeah, I just think that in terms of like a one-shot story, well-told, yeah. well-constructed, well-paced with incredible art. Uh, yeah. I, I just, I, I think that's as good as an issue can sort of singularly be, um, except for being a 10. Yeah, and you know, I would say those Black Hammer Visions books have, I'll bet half of them have been approaching this level, but this yeah, is the best one so far. This and the Old Guard series of one shots are ones that pretty much every uh, time you've been like, hey, these are great, you should read it. But this was the time where like, it was a small enough week for things I was super interested in that uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, for but sure. But those Old Guard stories are half issues. Like it's two stories in an issue. Yeah, which is another Which is, plus. That's, that's a tight thing to squeeze in, if you know what I mean. Gross. Um, do you guys want to do Aquaman becoming at me? Yeah, did you read this, Roman? I did. Did you love trying, the art? Like I love the art. Fun. Yeah, the art. The art was definitely the the best thing. How do you? Uh, what's where's where's the credits page? Who's the artist? The artist. Oh man! Here's the thing, Roman. I spent about a minute and a half <laughs> trying to pronounce this artist's name while I was reading it. Yeah. It's, uh, well, it's Diego. Diego. <laughs> yeah, it's Diego. Uh, or no. Oh, Lord Tigui, Lord Tigui, <laughs> on pencils, and Wade von Grawbadger on inks. Who I think I've liked a lot of his inking. Yeah, I think so too. He's been around for a while. Yeah, and I can't tell you what else he's inked, but it it's got like, gosh, I don't even. It it it's like the the my favorite parts of Greg Capullo's faces. Mm, yeah, is is what this reminded me of. Um, and so we've got, um, just, just kind of a young Aquaman learning to be an Aquaman, um, kind of through like a, an X-Men danger room sort of situation in the beginning yeah, and in real life by the end. And, uh, and then getting just the shit kicked out of him by a real bad guy. And then he, he's under arrest by the end. I don't know that I loved the script, but I thought the plot was pretty good. And I thought the art was really good. And I thought the colors um, by Adriana Lucas were better than most DC comics right now. Um, yeah, I, I agree with all that. The, I mean, the water effects are gorgeous, color and, and the penciling, which, which you know, that's a really nice thing to have in an aqua book. Yeah, yeah. So it, does, it doesn't always happen. I mean, when he's cruising around underwater, I mean, it, it really looks like somebody cruised around underwater. And what do you know about Jackson Hyde? Um, not not a lot. I mean, I'm glad to see him back in the DC universe proper and and not like left as kind of a what if or alternate universe character or whatever. Because didn't he start on the Teen Titans cartoon show or I Young really Justice? Maybe, I really it was, maybe it was Young Justice. And then is, is he Atlantean? I'm not even sure of his origins. Do you know, Jeff? My memory of his first appearance was in Brightest Day. Um, and it was that bi-weekly DC series after whatever big event that was, um, leading into the new 52 maybe. Um, but anyway, yeah, it was a big, yeah, yeah. Cause that was when like vertigo brought in, but it was a big deal. That was the, the new aqua lad was him. Hmm. Yeah. And I don't know how he's related if at all to the Atlanteans because you know, his mom is, uh, the surface dweller. Right. Right. But he has like Aquaman powers and Mara powers, kind of. Yeah, I I, I thought it was a, a pretty solid comic. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm 
Hey, Andrew, so make sure and leave that silence in there. <laughs> you motherfucker. Andrew, <laughs> add some farts to that silence, will you? Yeah, I enjoyed it, too. I read it back to back with Suicide Squad King Shark and to get my aqua aqua portion for the week. I give it a seven and a half. Um, I gave it a do do do. Oh, I gave it an eight. The Ocho. You guys want to talk about Batman the Dick number five? Richard, Richard Wayne. Rick Grayson? Cool. Um, Batman the Detective, number five what do you, of six. What do you, you just I made just, a bunch of weird faces. I did. I opened my window very large because I don't know if you've noticed, but it's very hot in my room. Oh, but if I leave oh, that window open, my cat jumps out the window. And I just heard a bunch of cat toy sounds. And I got nervous that he was in the room that I'm in. And oh, maybe yeah, he was yeah. about to jump out the window. But I think it was coming from the other side of the door. That's the behind need, the scenes of why those faces. You need a screen. I have a new nylon screen thing to put in and I just have to install it. Like it's a, it's a thing to supposed to be pet proof, but I've had it for about two months. Um, (laughs) I don't like projects. (laughs) I like, I like podjects. man. You should see how long it took Jeff to stop having to keep the toilet paper in his lap while he was on the pot. It took a while. I actually need to borrow that tool of yours again because no (laughs) screwdrivers. I have to retighten a thing for my toilet paper holder, but every screwdriver is too large to be able to tighten a thing that's right next to the wall. And you have that perfect, like tiny, tiny one. So this is me. I've needed to ask you for that for like three weeks. Um, Batman, the Dick number five, Tom Taylor, Andy Kubert, Sandra Hope on inks, Brad Anderson on colors, which Brad Anderson. That's cool. I, I would just associate him with the Astro city, right? Yeah. Um, I don't think I had fully processed this was only going to be six issues. Isn't that a bummer? It's such a bummer. DC, you goddamn cowards. Give us something in this universe that goes on forever, written by Tom Taylor. He's just... And drawn by Andy Kubert. He's just the absolute best. I loved this issue through and through, top to bottom. This was my other highest score of the week. Spoilers, was a 9.5. This one, we got a lot of exposition for the leader of this anti-Batman group. There was some just great moments within it. Uh, talking about Batmobiles b- blowing through giant glass buildings to create barriers with which you know people can make an escape from. Thumbs and eyes. Thumbs and eyes. Violence. Uh, Henri Ducard being cool. It's just, uh, I think it's, you know, probably in my mind, my favorite Batman book coming out right now. This shot through Batman's goggles where he's punching one bad guy while another bad guy attacks and actually overwhelms him on the next page. Yeah. It's so good. He's, he's old and a little bit rusty. I I don't have anything to say about this that I haven't said. I'm with you. Every single issue, just like, like jaw droppingly (laughs) good. I don't know what I texted you on Tuesday night while I read it, but it was just just a picture of your erection. Oh Yeah. That's why I was worried about taking my phone to Xfinity to have the, the text messages <laughs> fixed. It's 90% erection shots. Um, Rome, sorry, I cut you off there. Surprise, surprise. I don't know what I was going to... Oh, yeah, same for me, Django. I, yeah, I love this issue, but yeah, it's all stuff I've said before. It's even got another great humorous shot of the this bat fortress cruising down like the A-10 or something in, in Europe, in France, and... <laughs> I love what a precursor to the Dark Knight Frank Miller stuff this is. Mm-hmm. Um, man, something crazy just happened. I looked up yeah, and Django's Django gone. Go. Um, so that's crazy. Um, he finally farted himself out of his studio. Farted himself in Twain. Um, 
yeah, let's see if this is going to be uh, a problem to have him come back in. I'm not sure if he'll be able to rejoin this same meeting. So who knows what will happen? Yeah. Glad to boot us out. Um, um, I gave it a nine. I gave it a nine point five, Romeo. Oh wow, compadre. Um, yeah, and I'm excited to hear Django's score. But like he stressed earlier, he's already said all of it. Um, he just said BRB. <laughs> is That's that a burp? Crazy. Is that a burp? Yeah, he must have burbed or farted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Well, so nine and nine point five on that one. I don't know where Django went. I don't know if he'll be able to re-enter this call easily or not because he hosted the call and now he's gone. So yeah. I don't know how he'll rejoin it. But um, this is a great moment for us to talk about X-Men the Onslaught Revelation Ooh. by Cy Spurrier and Bob Quinn. Now, this is coming out of Way of, Way X. of X, which is a book that we have both loved. And um, hey, Django, you're back. That was really terrifying. I ran out of battery on my computer. I thought I plugged it in, but uh, I was distracted. It's crazy that it kept the meeting going. I'm so glad it did. I'm going to stop recording now. So you guys yeah. are probably going to hear something stupid again. Um, I hope that it won't affect my recording at all. It probably won't. No, I don't, I don't think it will. Is your computer plugged in? Because mine sure wasn't. Mine is. Thanks for checking, though, my good friend. Um, <laughs> but as you so Django, what was your score on Batman the Dick Five? I mean, it's not the best issue of the series. No. It's not my favorite issue of the series. I'm give it a 10. Nice. I love it. Um, because we didn't know how long you were gone, Jenga or Roman and I started talking about uh, X-Men, the Onslaught what? Revelation. Oh, good. I, can I say one thing <laughs> yeah, about it? Absolutely, but we were just in damage control mode. Bruce's costume at the end of the issue, I think is supposed to be reminiscent of the professional. The French with, uh, with that with that guy that was in Minority Report with the eyes and the sandwich and stuff. Maybe what like with with young Anna Paquin or uh, maybe it was Queen Amidala. It's that uh, it's that cover where it's like a guy like with glasses yeah. on with a little yeah. with a little. Yeah. Yeah. I, he is looks that a lot the like guy that. that so while we're talking about X-Men, the uh, Onslaught Revelation, can you track <laughs> down if that's the guy that was in Minority Report that does the eye surgery for him that leaves that sandwich in the fridge, but also the really moldy sandwich in the fridge? I can't believe, now. Um, I can't believe I can't think of his name. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so, Roman, we just gave a little context for this Onslaught Revolution. Can you tell me what your read on this was? I don't want to lead Oof. you. Um, um, but I, I'm, I want to know your thoughts before I get my thoughts in. Okay. Though so I kind of want you to lead me. Um, uh, it was, this was a, a dance issue. I mean, I like, I like the use is kind of an old, the old storytelling thing where I, I assume Nightcrawler is the one narrating this and he revisits the same, uh, kind of framing device about this land that defeated death and the different ways the land is developing, I think, and the way how they're trying to beat onslaught within legions mind palace basically mm -hmm. um i i liked it but I, I i i feel like i need to reread it again um so i'm not sure i got it all the first way through i liked it also but i thought i thought it was a really anticlimactic finish to the way of x story i thought it was a really anticlimactic usage of onslaught and basically yeah. undid him and didn't have any climactic big thing happen with him. I thought the, the narration was well done when it was dealing with sort of Nightcrawler and talking about the religion and stuff. But so much of this issue was based around Fabian Cortez, the character I don't know that well, and kind of the redemption arc for him as he relates to Gravity, the woman whose family I believe he killed, and kind of her being able to say that she stops hating him and they had like Orcus had hidden onslaught as an entity in her hate in her heart and that's how she, he was getting into the Kirkoan consciousness oh. oh i thought her name was lost 
sorry lost yeah i don't know why i thought it was oh. gravity um but uh but you because she affects gravity i think right i think oh, she can mess up your so. equilibrium or, and uh yeah. get people sick and whatnot but um i do really like the conceit for the usage of onslaught he was like kind of a psychic parasite that was feeding jingle you'll like this when uh in krakoa when they die they get backed up from the most recent uh, backup, but there's always got to be some data leg between the moment they died and when their most recent backup was. And he was feeding off of that life energy. The, the like, like that, stealing the pennies, like in the exactly firm. or the office space. Um, but exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, there's little bits of life that are lost when people die because mm. they haven't, they, maybe they died two days after the backup. Um I, I thought that was a cool idea, you know, but it does go right back to that idea you just mentioned. But um, it was just a really anticlimactic finish to this and yeah. uh, didn't seem to deal with a lot of the stuff that I felt like we were dealing with. I almost felt like I missed an issue, but I know I didn't because I've loved Way of X. Um, I also feel kind of bad because this came across to me as a book that seemed like it was going to be leading into this big X-Men thing or introducing this onslaught storyline. So I auto subbed all the main X-Men people to it and it was actually really isolated. So um, if you're hearing this and you got this because it ended up in your file and you didn't ask for it and you got it because you felt bad about that and you're hearing this, let us know and we'll do an exchange or something for it. Um, and not putting this on the Facebook group, but I'm saying if you listen to this podcast, do that. Um, because that was a judgment call I made. And while I was reading it, I kept just being like, gosh, this is really isolated. And um, this just should have been the final issue of Way of X. Like it, it, it really didn't need to be a one shot. It, you know, that was like a five yeah. issue series and they just tagged this in there. So, so I don't know. I, I don't want to be negative about it, but I just, it seemed like an anticlimactic finish to maybe my favorite x-men series coming out of the non-mainstream x-men stuff yeah you you hit the nail on the nail on the head there um um because yeah i don't under, i don't know why this had to be its own special thing because it didn't go bringing back onslaught i thought that was going to be a major thing that carried right. through inferno and it's oh and, and he's over apparently i mean not crawl reduces him to a like a psychic worm and smushes him yeah and i was like oh that was it i mean this is Professor X and Mag- Magneto the, to two guys that why didn't we do that in the nineties when he was a big threat? Yeah. And, and it was just to set up you no know, nightcrawlers, new kind of team that are not, not cops called the, the spark. They're not called the spark. The spark the legionaries? is the, the lead. Yeah. The legionnaires, which I also don't like the spark. I wish they came up with a different name for the yeah. spark that forced the, the, the mystical force or whatever you want to call it because as soon as you say that you know you just think transformers exactly um, I love transformers. <laughs> yeah but yeah you're right i, I the art was cool but it's, it's uh, yeah the same creative team it's the exa- it is. it's just the yeah end i don't know why they did that and yeah and you're right fabian cortez you know i don't care about fabian cortez i don't want to see a redemption story of him because and we got page char- after page after page of it yeah and he's a character that just exists to be a dick just yeah. let's just let him do that. You don't have to redeem him. <laughs> it's a number one. Take a marketing class, guys. It is. And <laughs> and and I fell for it. So that's why I just want to I want our subscribers to know that I want I want them to be able to have some faith in auto subbing. And I, I think I messed that one up. So that one's on me. Um, and I'm happy to well, talk about it. That one's on Marvel, Jeff. You're right. Thanks, you don't buddy. you don't take Marvel's Marvel's garbage on your back. <laughs> they do have a lot of it. I give it a 6.0. It wasn't bad. And it was an end to a series I loved. Um, it just, I, I can't, 
help but hide from some of the disappointment that is there. Yeah, I'll I'll give it a seven. I mean, I like Nightcrawler. <laughs> yeah, and he gets a beard at the end again, and I do like. Yeah, and he appears as a pirate, which is all yeah. you know. If Nightcrawler is in a pirate outfit, that's autom- an automatic seven right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can I tell uh, you guys something? Oh, please do. Peter Stormare. Yeah, I don't know if you know Peter Stormare. One I of do. my favorite, like nebulously european accented men mm-hmm. i think he's from sweden or norway yeah. or something but he can play someone from russia or like he he just plays a weird accent bad guy he's in that minority report uh-huh. with your friend and mine tom cruise yep right jean renault mm, who played Leon the, the professional jean renault was also in a movie with your friend and mine ethan hunt also known as tom cruise mission impossible mission impossible Okay, so those are Peter different Stormare guys, but they do look and similar. And Jean right? Renault have never been in a movie together, probably because they're the same person. Wow, are they the same person? I don't know. I they've never been in the not. same movie before. Yeah. Burden of proofs on you, cuck. Oh no! Oh, every time I get cucked in a corner, I I start. I can't help it. Um. Django, we held off on going right to Eat the Rich number two until you got back. Thank God you're back. Eat the Rich number oh, two, you. written by Sarah Gailey, illustrated by Pius Bach, colored by Roman Titoff. Love Roman Titoff because I love I Romans. Too. Um, <laughs> and uh, let's get right into the meat of this one, Django. Eat the Rich number two. It's so good. It is really good. It's really good. The, the thing that was so shocking at the end of the last issue is that they were eating the butler. Right, like they were killing him on the beach and eating him, and the, oh, Alfred, the girlfriend, oh, my hand. <laughs> literally, they ripped off his arms and legs. But the like the girlfriend is freaked out about that, and then in this issue, she talks to the the baby's nanny about it, and the nanny's like, "Yeah, healthcare is fucked. I have to work for these people. It's in the contract that when they're done with me, they kill me and eat me. But like, I have all this expensive medication, and these people can can pay for it. So it's." I don't know. It's it's almost like uh, cannibalism with consent. Ooh, and I you thought know, that was a really creepy, creepy idea and a kind of a condemnation on uh, modern American healthcare and society. Yeah, it, uh, it kind of before we were recording this, we had a conversation about Ted Lasso, and Jenga was like, "Jeff, you're fucking bad at predicting that show." And that's kind of <laughs> that's what, I, what I said. That's what I love about that show is it sort of defies <laughs> what I assume is going to happen. And I think this book kind of does the same thing. Like at the end of yeah. the first issue, you're like, oh, no, like she's got to get out of this or maybe they're going to eat her or something. Get and out. Get out. Exactly. And it felt like basically, you know, I think Braden put it well. At first, you felt like get out. But with, uh, you know, uh, economic disparity instead of racial disparity. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was like not that it was like oh yeah no we knew we signed in for it but like also how else was i going to get through all of this shit like do you know i'm i'm dying i but i need my medication it costs uh, every month it costs twice the amount of rent that i would have to pay like how can i pay for that so i'll work for these guys until i'm gonna die and then they can eat me um did not see that coming yeah yeah and i don't know if you guys noticed but uh when she goes downstairs in the middle of the night to snoop around uh there's a painting on the wall that has the family with a big roast like a big bloody roast yeah and then when she goes back up that roast has turned into a head it's turned into a human head on on, in the painting whoa see the scene where she goes back up and it's is it the head of the person she talks to penny or i forget what her name is or but it looks it like her? that. Like it's it's a brunette, so it could yeah. it could be either one of them. It's not super clear. Yeah, that's a great catch, dude. I didn't catch that at all. Oh god, that's terrifying. I I couldn't tell that was a head before. But like, <laughs> it, 
is that like it's clearly the same painting in the same location is that yeah. is that in her head i assume uh, it's in her head is it a um, lenticular no hologram oh it's where, just the angle where, you're at. where is the first scene where the painting appears it's like I page can't find that. four or five yeah maybe uh, no page like seven or eight actually oh six, oh eight, there it is eight. yeah but it was wow. also an issue number one that's, that's spooky yeah, yeah. But also, like, does that cast doubt on the reality of other things? I don't necessarily think so. I think that it's now that she's learned this thing, everything is cast in a new light to her. It's kind of my like take that. on it. The art, there's there are some panels in here that are like Adam Hughes level scared women. That sounds awful. Andrew, no, I, leave it in. But but no, I feel bad. that I wish I hadn't said it. <laughs> but it's kind of Adam Hughesy. But then also, it really reminds me of the artist for. Uh, the old guard, the main series, and the discipline, oh, yeah. Leandro Fernandez, um, yeah. really reminds me of that, especially the color palette and stuff. So, I, yeah, you know, just sorry, Roman. Yeah, I, I love just speaking of the art. I love the the baby's expressions too, including including at the end when it picks up that giant freaking beetle and it's going to eat it, and like the caretaker, yeah. nobody's paying attention. And in the last <laughs> issue, I think the baby picked up a hand out of the sand. Like the baby's oh, oh, yeah. always pulling weird shit out of the beach. <laughs> yeah. A weird that, like is that in the script or is that just uh something that the that uh pious is doing it's a good question yeah i uh it's a it's a testament to the issue itself that i got to the final page and was like oh i want the next issue right now yeah um and and you know jay you were like that one was really good before i had read it so uh i was lockstep with you with it and i finished I, the issue and i was like i want that next issue right now we don't get a lot of comics that i think oh this is a twist i haven't like this is a twist I didn't see coming and I don't think I could have seen it coming. You could have told me that there's a fucked up twist in the second issue and I wouldn't have guessed what this was. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah, th th this issue. I like the first one, but this one was even better. That whole twist with the, you know, poor people having to do crappy and the ultimate crappy job because mm -hmm. that's the only way they can live. Yeah, so it's going to end up with them dying. I mean, it's just just a but nice, I mean, nice commentary. Yeah, look at Amazon; it's happening all over. You know, the That's people true. are pooping in bags because they have to because they need to have a job at all. Um, we got a couple books to talk about that I haven't read. Uh, do we want to do scores? I think we should. Yeah. Oh, nine. Uh, I was also a nine. I was an eight, but I'm going to go eight point five because I desperately don't want to be left out of anything that the two of you guys are doing. <laughs> and it looks like she she's a, an author, but not a comic author. So this this might be her first comic. Well, it's super well told, well paced, and well structured. So I agreed. Um, and then and for her to be an author jumping to comics, you know, it's so oftentimes we've talked about it, but the, the tropes <laughs> of over dialoguing, over telling, and not letting the the artist show they're not present in this. Like it's yeah. it's well paced. So. Um, yeah, like I also just like the bit about like the amount that we've gotten about her boyfriend like being afraid. Like he's just kind of like become because he's an alcoholic who's in recovery, but around all these alcoholic people, he's just kind of like doled himself into submission for the story, which works really well mm -hmm. for the yeah. story. Um, it's just like really well, like again, well structured. Nice uh, to see Gailey, him but... as like the weakest. Oh yeah, of that the, too. Of yeah. the pair. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, tell me about Miracle Molly. That art was gorgeous. I didn't read it because it was a giant Jimmy TIV book, but the art was gorgeous. So I want to read it and I intend to, uh, because it also seemed like a great way to learn about this character that I haven't learned about because I'm not reading that main book, but kind of shades of Eduardo Rousseau. Yeah. So it's uh, James Tinney in the fourth and Danny as the artist with Lee Luridge as the colorist. Mm. Yeah. The art, 
the art had a lot of different influences to me. Um, the story, and I don't know if this was on purpose, along with the the character design, Roman, maybe you have an opinion on this, but I, I felt like the story and the character design were just basically, uh, Jeff, I'm sorry. It's all right, buddy. Get it. <laughs> Put it on my... Michelle Pfeiffer from Batman Returns. I'm pretty sure oh. that this is just a modern cybernetic retelling. Flash me. Of of our uh... not you roman Django, flash <laughs> me a page of the comic books she just looks like yeah her before nerdy, she becomes catwoman yeah. nerdy michelle pfeiffer before she puts on jeff's favorite outfit yeah and... i don't understand i still don't get my attraction to that outfit but i, I, uh, wear come it on. Now. <laughs> I get it yeah come i get on. it <laughs> what are you doing after this podcast come Six-year-old over here i'll show me you didn't understand bondage <laughs> and uh 31 year old me still doesn't understand it doesn't mean i don't love it <laughs> um yeah it's it's just like nerdy nerdy woman in an office environment who has good ideas but gets put down all the time and then they eventually fire her and steal her ideas um that is exactly but, what happens in that movie yeah i, I know just rewatched it and she <laughs> looks a whole lot like her in this like the big round glasses and the the kinky blonde hair like you're not trying know. to say that jimmy tiv recycled an old batman story are you no that's exactly what i'm saying oh jimmy tiv you just yeah. keep that drip going that said, and this is this is the second book this week that uh, this occurred to me. Uh, this and Doctor Strange. I don't think I would have made it five pages in if the art hadn't been really, mm-hmm. really good. And I wouldn't have wanted to read it if that art didn't look so good. That might be shallow of me, but you know, comics are a collaborative event, and if you and me and the writer and the artist can't get along, I, I don't know that you're worth my time. And I can get along with the artist for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you read it, mm-hmm. Roman? No. Oh, well, that's what, all I have to say about it. Yeah, the what you've shown us with the art, I'm like, oh, maybe I should read that. The art's amazing. I give the art a nine. I give the story a six. I give the whole thing a seven and a half. And I uh, think it's important for people to read if, they, if they're reading Batman right now. It's worth mentioning that TMNT Last Ronin number four came out this week, and it's only... I haven't read it yet this week, but I do just want to mention that if you recategorize it in your brain as being called The Last Roman, it oh. becomes way more urgent, you know, way Ooh. more pressing. Um, hey, I meant to say this during the X-Men section. Yeah, yeah. I met a kid today named Xavier Charles. I did too. I was in there. I oh actually God. finished that transaction you started. It's a cool kid. It's a cool kid. And his name is Xavier oh, Charles. Yeah. They came in and, and I was like, well, what, what kind of comics are you interested in? And his dad said, well, his name's Xavier Charles. I'm like, oh, let me show you to the X-Men. You district. did a good job. You you said, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guide you to the following on Will Elmer's thing. Not the adaptation of the X-Men animated series, but a comic book series inspired by that from the 90s. So it's a great uh, all-ages X-Men book based on that cartoon show. And as I was reading it up, I was like, ooh, I love this X-Men cartoon show. I was raised on this. And the dad was like, yeah, me too. It's like, yeah, no (laughs) shit. You named your kid Xavier Charles. Yeah, so I'm really curious. How how does the kid spell his name? Uh, Django, did you do the contact entry? The kid was cool. Um, Yeah, Xavier Charles. I don't know how he spelled it, um, but... It was it was I, a it was a good trip, Roman. I only asked because that's that's another X name that I've apparently been mispronouncing mispronouncing my whole life because I always pronounced it as if it was either French, French. or Hispanic. I think <laughs> then, it was. Oh, go ahead. And then other and then other people. I think when the movie started, something started coming out. Everybody was saying Xavier, and I was like, oh, that's how you say it. <laughs> so the kid was like eleven or twelve. I didn't ID him, but I 
put his name in the system just so we would we would have reference and i spelled it c-h-a-v-i-e-r-x-a-r-l-e-s hey before we go into mullet cop which i didn't read i just want to mention that uh tom taylor wrote an issue of nightwing this week called nightwing 84 and i thought great title tom um but i just want to say tom taylor you wrote a fantastic issue of nightwing probably the worst of the series so far i would still give it a nine um Mm -hmm. because it or maybe actually i gave it an 8.5 no roman is bummed he shook his head oh no 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 you give it whatever you want i was just that's not what i gave it (laughs) um let me look at my notes actually Actually, no, I couldn't. I, de- des- I deleted it off the. It oh, was okay. an, it was like an eight eight point five, frankly, for me. I, I think it's the worst issue of the Nightwing series so far. But it, the it entire thing Tate ties into Fear State. It it derailed the entire yeah. series. It goes into a story that's not related to it. But what I think is impressive is oftentimes when a series has to tie into an event, it derails the entire thing and becomes less good. And I think that he was able to maintain elements of what makes his series so good. Uh, the relationship between him and Barbara, the relationship between him and uh, Bruce. Some of the artistic elements are still there, even though it is a different artist, as far as I know. Um, So I just want to mention that I think it was a definite dip in quality from the series that I've been reading, but I was impressed that it still felt as much like Nightwing as it did, considering it has Fear State written all over it, and it's following a mandate that Jimmy T.I.V. set forth in the future state mandated era, like a story that I didn't want to read at all. So um, I, I think I gave it an 8.5 or an eight, but uh, it's, it's, I, I want to like it more than I do. Um, but I was still relatively impressed with its quality. I would have given that issue an eight. I would have given the guys physics of eating a pizza a two. Yeah. Because they, that's the thing we've terrible. heard about in like issue two or three. There was some complaints, but about it's a different artist, eating. right? Yeah. And exactly. he, and he's like, he's palming the whole thing and eating the pizza off his wrist. It's, it's fucked. It made my, it looks made a little skin Gilroy esque. I need to hear Roman's thoughts on it though. Cause he seemed like he actually maybe, had some, maybe, maybe that's the way they eat, eat super even. thin crust in New York. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had New York super thin crust pizza. What, what was your score for it, Rowan? I'm curious. Uh, mine was actually, Seven, I couldn't decide between a 7.5 and an 8. Okay. Because, yeah, I felt that all the same stuff you did. Worst issue of the series so far. Art wasn't as good. Yeah. All of that stuff. But Fierce, fierce but State and the Magistrate at, don't care. Look at <laughs> oh Tom Taylor God, making I, a pretty good comic despite being that's my point. <laughs> overrun <laughs> by Jimmy. That's like, my point. I, I hate the idea of Fear State. I hate the Magistrate. I don't believe it at all for a second that it's happening in one town in the U.S. and <laughs> yeah. not anywhere else. Like, come on. And not all of Texas, Gotham City, Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but I love the cliffhanger. I love Barbara getting back in her costume and going out there because she needs to. And he's like, no, you got. Anyway, so um, that's, I just wanted to throw that in there so it wasn't, you know, me not talking about that book. Um, Mullet Cop, we're going to finish this out with. Did oh, you boys man. Mullet Cop? I didn't Mullet Cop, but I need to know about it. This was Scout Comics. It's $7.99, which is maybe setting a record <laughs> for Scout Comics. I agree. It's the most expensive Scout comic ever. It's one penny more than buying two issues of a Scout comic. It's by Tom Lintern, and it's amazing. Oh, my God. It's a, I have it here to read. We almost it's, sold out of it. I ordered, I ordered kind of a lot of it for a Scout comic that no one was subscribed to. Like two to five times what we order for Scout. Yeah. Right? It's called Mullet Cop. I had to. Yeah. And it's like, it's one part 
robocop spoof one part paul blart mall cop spoof one part like dark knight returns mutants and all parts awesome it's it follows a cop who he's a mall cop he gets beat up by these hoodlums Hoodlums. in the mall mutant hoodlums mutant looking hoodlums and when they bring him back to life they've put him in a disguise and he's exactly the same dude but he's got a mullet like that's his disguise (laughs) so that the so the bad guys don't find him and kill him again and then like this game show host kind of dude says this is your this is your segue and they they took his segue to make a super high-tech microwave that can do shit (laughs) i can't even really i can't even really tell you much about this because the whole thing is just totally fucking ridiculous I read the description and I looked at the interior art and I thought we got to get at least 10 of these because um, Roman so or sorry, Django and I will dig it. But Roman, did you read this? I read it. What did you yeah. think of it? Well, I didn't. <laughs> I wasn't as into it as Django was. Um, it's a type of absurdity that I do. Dirty equate, motherfucker. <laughs> I do equate this this type of absurdity with Django. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I read the whole thing. It kept me. It kept me going. I didn't fall asleep. Um, <laughs> I put that on the cover. Tom Lintern. Yeah, put that on yeah. the cover, Roman. Yeah. It didn't put me to sleep, Roman Statler. I mean, it had a, it had all these great elements, and I could appreciate what they were doing, but it didn't really. It never made me laugh. Um, but I, but you know, it looks good. I like the art. I like all the elements. I like that they. He has to do the classic, like run the gauntlet in the sub basement of the mall because that's where all the criminal element are and everybody else just stays out of that part all classic all classic 80s movies tropes trying to picture somebody reading this book and it not making them laugh but making it all the way through it like i'm gonna read it all but i don't either (laughs) i really fuck you guys i haven't read it yet i just ordered it because the art and the cover and the description um but damn, it seemed like that I, title would sell copies. I just thought it was it really compelling. Like it was really emotionally compelling. <laughs> no, it's it's not emotional at all. It's I don't even really know how to describe it. Like it's just the yeah. action is all really weird and stilted. And like the you know how we were talking about who was it that that does all their all their action shots are like as the action is happening versus right before or right after yeah. oh, it, was, it was on the the batman in quarantine podcast right yeah it was like, like quietly, quietly does that but other the people connection don't. and yeah, other yeah. people have like after the connection or be, right before the connection all of these are like like the screenshot that you wish nobody had thought to grab like every <laughs> moment that this guy is oh damn it, i missed that shot Oh dang it! I missed the shot I wanted. Oh fuck! I forgot to pause it there. Like yeah, like like if action could be blinking when you took a screenshot, that's what almost every panel of this is like. And that that's one of the things I loved about it is like this that that I'm hoping that it's on purpose because if it's not on purpose, I just shit all over this guy's art. No, he did it on purpose. It's called Mullet Cop. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> I don't think I laughed out loud, but the entire thing entertained me from start to finish. And it's almost like uh, uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Mm, We're like, yeah, oh, this is like, eh, this guy's not very, ooh, I feel a little bit sad and embarrassed, but I'm going to chuckle. You get a chuckle. Man, See, that's... I, I, sorry, Roman, please. I, uh, I, I agree. It's, um, it's funny. It's, it's like one of those shows that is absurd and camp but everybody in it is playing it totally straight like it's it's high drama yeah you can't tell yeah except in a comic book format and that's kind of fascinating just in itself <laughs> um 
I forget what I, I damn it. I forgot what I was going to, I was going like, to say something else and I can't remember what it was. Mullet cop is what happens when you're in charge of ordering comics for an entire comic shop, but also your best friends have terrible taste in things. And you just <laughs> sometimes have to order 10 copies of a thing to get the one in 10 variant, because you know that your ridiculously haired friend <laughs> is going to read a book called mullet cop. Like there's a PSA ad in the back. That's like a microwave cooking tip. And it, and I'm it, into that. I did laugh and out loud. It, yeah, I'm, I'm into yeah that. and it's an accurate, you know, useful tip for using a microwave, but it's totally played straight. And you're like, do they really think people don't know how to do this? Or so that's like a, a big, Norm huge McDonald, joke. R.I.P. Norm McDonald, little bit. It really in there. is. Yeah, Norm McDonald could have played Mullet Cop. Yeah, God, I believe a hundred percent. Yeah, R.I.P. God damn. Um, I give it a ten. Like, good lord, I can't, I can't not because this. <laughs> This is like I've never heard of this dude. He made a It's no schmalky. What is this? It's it's 900 pages or some it's, shit. It's very there's, large, which is there's why I'm no not way, ready yet. Like this can't have a sequel. They can't make a trade paperback of this. No, that's just, <laughs> just an eight page. It's eight pages of just absurdity and it's it's wonderful. Yeah, I wonder why why mullet cop? I mean, this this format, one issue, eight dollars. Yeah. It's it's just the whole thing is a fascinating mystery. So there's a little Jane tiny midget know? chef in like oh, a like gangster costume. You know that. Like you know better. You know better. I, sorry, a little a, a normal sized dwarf chef. <laughs> um, Roman Django gave our only ten of the podcast to that. What a uh, what a gooey. What do you give it? Rise of the buffet warrior. Um, <laughs> That's a great title. Um, what did I give it? I, He's uh, a master chef with a natural sense of style to boot. <laughs> See, I'm laughing out loud because I, all of that is <laughs> a type of absurdity. Like I really do love dumb shit played deadpan serious. <laughs> I gave it a seven point five, but Hell you know yeah. I, I'm going to bump that up to an eight because nice. You got hearing Jago talk about it, looking at these colors. Some of the colors are beautiful. The colors are the palette is insane. Let, let me give yeah. you a quote. I'm glad you asked. See that brown slop in the cauldron? Take a helping and place it into the microwave. Jingo, when it came in, you flipped through it, which made me very happy. Because again, I don't normally order 10 copies of a Scout comic, but I ordered 10 copies of this one, plus the variant. And you open it up and you're like, look at that vat of soup. That's what you said. You said, look at that giant bowl of soup. And that, like, you, you as an adult man flipped through a comic book and the thing that stood out to you was a giant thing of soup. And you're like, look at that giant vat of soup. It's in it's it's on like five or six pages. It's so so absurd. Look at that soup. <laughs> like that's one of my new favorite quotes. I'm gonna put that back in the podcast going in the future. Look at that soup. Look at that soup. There's, there's even like Knight Rider jokes in here, which Jeff, you're probably not gonna get, but Knight Rider was a, a TV show. show with... yeah. <laughs> oh man, soup. I was just flipping through. Look. There's a Look page the when, when he catch he gets a Segway or no it's not a Segway it's a motorcycle or something but he's he gets it from a bad guy and he's taken off and he pops a wheelie but fucks it up and lands in the fountain in the middle oh, of the mall soup. yeah and it's it's like it's like almost an Akira yeah. style motorcycle yeah oh it's oh I laughed way harder talking about it than I did reading it <laughs> yeah me too. <laughs> Oh, nice work, everybody. Um, well, hey, yeah, sir, Roman, you're saying something. Podcast's over. Yeah, well, I mean, I thought I, on that I, note. I, 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 I thought Jango was going to do a little He Who Fights Monsters bit. Oh, 
Django, that was you good. have 30 seconds. I like oh, you fights monsters. A blaze comics. So yeah, they, yeah, and and I think it's also like some some big specky thing, but. Um, I just keep trying to help Ablaze. That publisher is right in there with Behemoth for me as a publisher that I think puts out high quality books considering their tier of retailer. Um, like Behemoth, yeah. all of their comics feel higher quality than they are. Um, and I think Ablaze does that as well. The artist is Werther Deladra, who does uh, Something's Killing the Children. Oh, wow. Um, the story includes Nazis, and we're set up to have golems, although we haven't seen any actual magic. But uh, I, th- I think we're probably going to see golems in the next issue or two. Yeah. I like. I really like st- stories with Nazis, because you can just fucking kill them, and nobody cares. And yeah. like everybody roots for them dying. Yeah. It's always entertaining watching na- na- Nazis get, get, get it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Gosh, for sure, Roman. We should put that in our trailer. Are we going to do a podcast trailer? And it's up to Andrew, buddy. I don't edit it. Look anymore. at that vat of soup. Look at that <laughs> soup. I literally have a note right next to me that is uh, a piece of paper that says, look at that soup, Django. <laughs> <laughs> I have written that down and stored it here. Um, so on that note, you can get us an email at jeff at thecomicsplace.com. That'll go right to me. It's a business thing. You'll also find that those emails uh, go to me if you're writing a Ted Lasso email. You can do that either. What's Ted Lasso, you might ask? Well, it's that podcast that keeps showing up in your podcast feed if you're getting this one. It's Ted Lasso. Bros. That's the thing I'm doing with Will, who writes those wonderful introductory emails for us on this podcast. Will, big thank you. I love recording that podcast with you every week. Um, and I love that television show. But if you want to ask us a question about comics, you still send it to Jeff at thecomicsplace.com. We didn't have any. Uh, oh, wait, no, we did. I'm oh. sorry. Check it out. Hey, guys. It's Andrew. Um, going to try and go pretty quick today. Uh, I wanted to briefly, very briefly, just talk about how interesting and awesome Daredevil is. Um, 34 issues in. I, I've been talking with Will a lot lately about how bloated the story feels like not in a bad way, just I never have been for like ever since like issue like 25 or so, I haven't been feeling like we've been getting enough from each story in each issue. I don't feel satisfied walking away um, until about like, I don't know, 32 hit. Um, And then it started to pick up again. And now we've learned that Zarsky and Chiquetto are going to do like a Fisk series a bit later. Um, So I like that it's finally kind of getting that space to breathe. And despite a possible cancellation, is still like pretty damn good. And kind of speaking of cancellations, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about Guardians this week because mm. holy shit. I, a, I'm incredibly disappointed it canceled, but B, um, Ewing knows how to handle a cancellation with grace and a plum. Um, just, I mean, using Rich and Gamora and uh, Peter to take out Dormammu and the way they do is just so creative like using Rich as like basically the firing pin of the bullet um, the Mysterium bullet that's also infused with Peter's like cosmic sun energy like oh it was so good and then on top of all that not just canonizing but actively legitimizing throughout this entire run the polyamorous relationship between Star-Lord Pete um, Nova, Rich, and Gamora. Um, there, there's this line towards the end of the series, or this this issue in particular, where Pete's talking to Gamora, and he's like, um, "Yeah, I love you, but I love him too. You know that, right?" 
And Gamora says, I know, that makes it better. And I'm just like, oh, God. Like, I love Ewing so much. This was a great series. Um, yeah. So before I wrap this up, I do have a quick question for you guys. I've been bad at this kind of thing. It's been a busy week, weeks for me. Um, if you were to have a Funko Pop of any one of your favorite writers or artists, who would it be? And I have to add the caveat, it can't be Grant Morrison or Frank Quietly, because I feel like most people would probably, if you're a fan of Grant Morrison or Frank Quietly, you want a, you want a Funko of both of them, probably. So It'd I have to add in that caveat that you can't answer that. But who would you want? Have a good one, guys. Yeah, I I want everyone to know that I set an alarm on my phone to uh, make sure I closed my window because it was hot in here, so that my cat didn't get out, and it went out. It went off uh, right as that email was happening. Is, is what so, was going on there, Andrew? You're going to want to go back and undelete all the mentions of Jeff's window. No, I want you to leave that podcast. in there. I just <laughs> fucked up. Um, Andrew, great question. Also, yeah. I haven't been reading that Guardians thing mm-hmm. because much to Andrew's chagrin, I just kind of hate drop cosmic off of comics i hate like cosmic books. i like the idea of cosmic but none of those characters outside of rocket have ever gotten their teeth in me to make me want to mm-hmm. follow them the biggest for me uh thing to want to read is al ewing but also that polyamorous relationship hearing about that i love hearing about that i want to read that more than i want to read a guardians of the galaxy book so i love the review thanks for mentioning that um my pop figure is easy but i'm curious if either of the two of you are going to say what i'm going to say only one name came to mind when I heard it. What about you? For Roman? me too, yeah. And me. Okay, oh. who was yours, Roman? Should we all say it at once or is that bad one, radio? One, two, three, Alan Kevich. Oh, we all have different ones. <laughs> all of us had different ones. God, Alan Moore, that's a great one if he has like, no all the shit hair. It is. Yeah, all no shit. It'd be, it'd be like a it'd be like a scary, like drug addled troll doll. Yeah, that's that's why I thought it would be the most. <laughs> it would look stand out the most as a pop figure. Bill Sienkiewicz would be very good. Jack Kirby would, he would be, be very good. Bill Sienkiewicz would be super boring, he and they'd have be. to figure out how to make like a two thirds size Jack Kirby pop. The Jack Kirby one would be yeah. awesome because he would have a cigar coming out of his mouth, and he'd be standing yeah. there with his arms behind his back. Like that one's very, very, very good. I want, I want a self portrait of Bill Sienkiewicz as a pop figure. But oh, that'd yeah, be awesome. One, one eye is all like, Rrr. yeah. But I think we can all agree that Alan Moore would be the most. Yeah, recognizable yeah. as a pop figure you yeah. won we should play that, that game more often yeah all of us answer on three all right that's on you the listener to make sure that happens andrew thank you so much for your voicemail everyone can send us those at jeff at the comicsplace.com i would love to get better at doing those halfway through the episode i'm looking mm. at django and roman to help me remember that why don't you set a timer instead of for your window set it for the yeah uh, well i did stage. i did close my window um hmm. so that nice. did work at the very least. my cat's not going to escape tonight well, you have we tomorrow sh- off. No, set a timer I mean, to install your screen. No, wow. I got football all day, and then I have to figure out the DC FOC somehow midway through football. Oh, you're fucked. Weekly Sunday. You're thing. fucked, I've, bud. I've you're never it. gonna get that screen installed. I've done. Oh, I know. <laughs> Monday's the day to do that, but all of the work I push off on Sunday is due Monday. So I'll come over and do it for you on Monday. You know those days off we installed for Jeff on Sunday and Monday? Oh well, no, we fucked he those. He has to work half. both those. <laughs> hello, um, distributors. Hello distributors listen as always i'm jeff and look at that soup i'm roman and i prefer stew yeah you do we have to call you stew now no he just prefers stew so we have to call him stew he just likes people named stew more than anybody else yeah especially if they have soup i get it i get it you welcome to your new point of sale comic hub (laughs) uh i'm django i 
Oh, okay. I was about to say see I everybody, was, but it sounds like something's on your mind. I was I was wondering, guys, if Gamora Oh wow, that was Oh, sounds like the soup's ready. <laughs> that was such a long way. Welcome to my life. <laughs> that was such a long loud fart. No, you're trying to say something it. and somebody farted all over it? Were you trying to be serious and someone farted all over it? Were you trying to do a thing and there was fart all over? Oh, I can't relate, bud. Oh, I remembered the adaptation that I was I couldn't remember. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>